What's up, everybody? It's a group text podcast. Um, I'm Braxton out in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Uh, we got Tia in Somerville, South Carolina. Hey, hey. Got Chris out in LA. What's going on? Um, it's been uh, I don't I don't know. Every week is eventful in today's world, but. Um, last week was the first week we had recorded and actually it was like a year to the day. Um, whenever I looked at it, like we had, I literally, I think I uploaded it on Friday morning and that was August 10th, 2017. Um, so a year, we took a year off basically, um, (laughs) at least from recording anyway. (laughs) Yeah, we'll try not to do that. Yeah, um, but um, but yeah, this week so um, Tia came up to Brooklyn or New York this weekend. We did a lot of stuff, uh, which is actually kind of weird because like I did a lot of stuff that I had like never done here before. Um, that was yeah, fun. that was fun. You know, like I had never never went to Brooklyn Botanical Garden. Had never. Done the museum. I had never gone to a play here, um, so like we packed in like a lot of stuff. Like I felt like we wake up in the morning and then leave, and I wouldn't come back. Like all I did at the apartment this weekend was basically sleep because we were out like the rest of the time. Yeah, my legs are killing me for it. <laughs> it's a lot of walking, yeah. and it rained Saturday, but it still wasn't bad. Yeah, that Sunday it. was hot as hell. Oof. Yeah welcome but yeah but yeah saturday we did the louis armstrong like we went to his home that he purchased when like him and his last wife were lit they lived in corona queens Mm -hmm. and um it was really cool like they had a beautiful home like it's literally exactly the same way it has been since the 70s so yeah, was nothing's it... changed and I just like Louis Armstrong was just like a really nice guy like he never had any kids and but all the kids in the neighborhood like as soon as he got home they'd be waiting for him to get off out of the cab like it was like he helped raise like the kids there but he never had any of his own it was really sweet yeah it was interesting <laughs> um, and we were talking about how you know he was like such a big person in jazz um but how jazz is just like never really mainstream he was like inventing you know different like i guess different genres of jazz like he was like literally inventing so like in the music world he's you know like a giant but like growing up you know it wasn't like oh like you had to get that louis armstrong record or like we never like grew up like listening to louis armstrong but he just seemed like someone who was just very comfortable in his own skin and doing like whatever he was doing. And, um, I don't know. It was just interesting. He like, it just seemed like he didn't really have a care in the world, but obviously like, I'm sure, you know, his museum is probably like, I'm sure they're like, we didn't learn everything about him obviously, but it seemed like for the most part he was like he just seemed like such a like jovial like happy dude you know like yeah they would play like every room you would go into they would play 
like he did some recordings I guess maybe he wrote two books about himself so um maybe it was then I can't remember but he had like they would play his voice and like he was always happy and he just seemed like a cool grandpa you know or like uncle or something yeah that's what I was saying he seemed like a <laughs> someone who would at least manage to not I, I've never heard any like crazy stories about Louis Armstrong. Yeah, because you know I looked it up afterwards. Yeah, so was I there anything? Find nothing. Okay, because what that was like he so his last wife that he was married to it was like his, his third or fourth wife or something like that, but he yeah, was with her for like thirty years or something. Lucille. Lucille. Um, yeah, that's name. The, yeah, that was Lucille yeah. and Louis. <laughs> the uh, the interesting part though about where he lived was in Queens, which I don't know if this is just something I read on the internet somewhere, but it was like Queens is the most diverse neighborhood, like in the, in the nation, in the country. And he seemed to like really love it up there. Cause he was just basically he was saying like, you know, he could walk on the street. No one bothered him. There was like a lot of kids in the neighborhood. I mean, it seemed like he just couldn't have kids, I guess. Cause he never grew like he, never had kids even though he had like a few wives but like he felt like all the kids in the neighborhood were like his kids um but i've always heard they that, called him uncle satchmo right um but i've just always heard that you know queens is like a super diverse place and like you know it's, it seems like a quiet place or whatever to kind of like settle down into or whatever but um not from queens it's definitely in quiet What's that? Oh, Nicki Minaj. Well, she's from like <laughs> Jamaica, Queens. He was from like, or he was living in like yeah, Corona, Corona Queens, Queens, which is like up by the airport, basically. Yeah, and all his pictures with like the kids, they were like black, white. I mean, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. Um, it was really cool. And it was cool because you could see they had like this one map <laughs> that had kind of like all these big names in jazz and you know, how a lot of these people had, like, lived in Queens or just, like, you know, in other areas in New York, obviously. But a lot of them, like, kind of made their way through Queens, like, at some point in their life. Yeah. Um, but doing, I don't know, it's just, like, cool to see, like, a snapshot of someone black, like, living, <laughs> you know, during that time, doing what, like, like the whole, I don't know, do you remember, like, a lot of, I, I just can't specifically remember them, like, pointing out any, any sort of like crazy things that he was going through which i'm sure he probably did and maybe they leave that stuff out on purpose but mm, they did i know it just seemed like he was living a great life other than his health problems right apparently he liked uh, to <laughs> he liked to smoke a lot he was a weird yeah. guy he was like obsessed with what would they say like natural laxatives yeah so they sold the natural laxative that he used it was like a tea and they said that he really offered it to like the royal family when he went to visit flat tummy tea. <laughs> Swiss Chris yeah, I think was the was, name of it he was the Louis, first one to promote flat tummy Louis tea Louis been on that flat tummy tea yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but uh yeah, it was yeah I mean it was really cool I like learning about you know things and people like that and it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, the other weird things was like our mom said she had went there whenever she was like a senior in high school, which would have been basically the year after he died whenever <laughs> they first turned his house into a museum, which is like crazy to think about. 
Um, like I didn't know that. I just texted her and told her we were going there, and she's like, "Oh, I've been there before, but it was however long ago, forty years ago." So yeah, and I was like, "Well, it was exactly the same. They didn't <laughs> change anything. Like even the air conditioner looked the same. They had wallpaper everywhere." Yeah, he was very crazy wallpaper too. Yeah, but if anyone's ever in New York, go to Corona Queens, check out the Louis Armstrong Museum. You might learn. Tell some them shit. you're a student, you'll get in for eight dollars. Yeah, <laughs> they don't even ask for ID. Student of life. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we did this weekend that was interesting, we saw a play called <coughs> uh, "The House That Will Not Stand." I believe is that. Yeah. Am I saying that correctly. Yeah, that was it. Um. And, you know, I guess that really, I don't know. Do you want me to give the synopsis of this? It it hit on, like, so many. Whew, God, it, it hit on every ism. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but you can go ahead. Basically, so it's kind of set in, like, the, I think, early 1800s in New Orleans. And uh, it's, like, this Creole woman. She's got three daughters. And she wasn't married to this white guy. She was basically like his mistress. He dies and she's trying to figure out, you know, how how can she keep, you know, the house and the money that he was supposed to leave her. Um, but this is right after basically the Louisiana Purchase and the the laws have changed. So right after Louisiana Purchase, you know, now a white man can't give his uh you know, can't give like anything in his will to a black woman, basically. So she's trying to figure out, you know, how she can keep this money, this house. She doesn't want her daughters to end up like this. Um, they actually like she there's like a slave in the house who's like basically their caretaker. She's trying to get her freedom. And it's really about like all these different dynamics of colorism classism sexism racism, racism. like it's yeah. like literally everything under the sun and like but it's only women of color in the show right it's just what was it seven women in the show three daughters the mom the maid and that other lady and like and her sister. her f yeah oh yeah her friend and like a sister so yeah it's like really just um <clears throat> Everything was just so layered, like it's. Yeah, it built the intensity built up like to the end. It was real. It was really good, but I just like that. You know, it was all women of color, and it touched on like how long we've been dealing with colorism crap. You know, like. Mm -hmm. It just kind of highlight like the lady had two lighter skinned daughters, and one was brown skinned. And so eventually, like, one of the lighter-skinned sisters headed out with the brown one and was like, no man's ever going to want you. And it was just like a whole, it was a whole lot. But it was really good. It was it was just really good. Yeah, I mean, um, the, you know, I, it was like one of those things where, like, if this were, like, a Hollywood movie, I feel like, a, like there obviously wouldn't have only been women in it. You know, there would have been men in it. There would have been white men, black men, whatever. So, like, it was really powerful that it really it was just only women in the play and everything was kind of only about them. Like, it was just very powerful. Um, yeah. And each character had like a moment. Yeah. Like every and character like they, had an arc. 
yeah. yeah, every character had an art. Every character had a ending, and um, but it was just it. It made me want to read like books about that time. So of course I looked some up. So I'm gonna start learning more about that time because like I know it was different down there because Louisiana wasn't Louisiana. <laughs> right. Yeah. So and just the whole Creole culture is just something I'm really don't know much about but interested in yeah um yeah i'm interested to see i don't know if that play will take off because i think it was actually this weekend was supposed to be the last weekend i know they extended it through next weekend um we actually like ava duvernay was there whenever we went so we like got a picture with her she was just randomly there and uh i guess she's dating andre holland who's apparently my doppelganger uh, <laughs> according to my friend Makisha, but I told him that I was told that he confirmed it. So straight from the horse's mouth. It's true. It's true. <laughs> they were super nice. And I was like dying on the inside. Like I did not even sleep that night. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, I'm at Ava DuVernay. Yeah. But I, I feel like hopefully something like that gets like a lot more attention because like, like I said, with every character having their own arc um and like storyline and how everything kind of intertwined and now i feel like if you're if you're watching something like that you're always gonna like compare it to you know what's going on now and it's just like the same and i'm sure this is probably true out through all of history like a lot of the same conversations you know have been being had but um, maybe not so much like in a public space. Uh, right. In know. different ways. Like the main thing to me in the whole play was the mom's relationship with her daughters. Like, so like the mom was basically this white man's mistress. She was like his paid woman, you know, like he lived in her house. He paid all the bills. He was the father of all her kids. But she didn't want that for her daughters. Like, but her daughter, one of her daughters really wanted it and felt like, you know, my mom's taken care of. Like, I don't have to worry about nothing. Like, it's just what she saw. Um, so it was just, there was so many layers to it. Like, the mom's trying to protect her daughters and the daughter's like, mom, I'm going to live your life. <laughs> right. And I think that's like, that was like... One of the big things I thought about, it's like, like you said, you know, her from the daughter's perspective, it's like you have such a good life. Like, look at all the stuff we have. Like, you don't have to worry about anything, but you, you know, she's not, you know, the daughter not necessarily realizing like what the mom is like sacrificing, like what the mental anguish that she's going through and basically kind of like how the grass is always greener type of thing. Yeah, um, she didn't love that man. She just did what she had to do to survive. Right. And the but other she was like, I want better for my daughters. I want a better life for them. Right. And the other thing, I feel like that was like a really big um sort of tone of the player. It was cuz like there's like a big monologue at the end and it wasn't like overtly saying this, but it's basically kind of saying how you know, these these black women's stories like in the South were just like kind of forgotten. Like they were basically kind of, you know, the thread kind of holding a lot of stuff together there and how, 
you know, it was just kind of, I won't say like forgotten about, but just like really overlooked basically. And kind of like from every character standpoint, just kind of how they were, you know, had to sacrifice all these things and were just like pushed aside so easily basically. But you yeah. know, how they were kind of like keeping up everything, um, you know, not, not, not only like within their house, but community, like all this stuff, it was just pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, black women holding it down since forever. Yeah, since forever. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyone if they're up in New York, definitely check it out. I'm not sure if you can. I'm not sure how you would. I'm sure you can probably like read the play somewhere, um, if you really want to, if you're into that type of thing. But check it out. Um, mm-hmm. kind of switching gears a little bit. There's so this new show on HBO, Random Acts of Flyness. Um, you know, is a lot about race and like what's going on in America, but kind of with like this surrealist kind of take on it, I guess. Um, I don't know. There's a, there's a show called Wonder Shows and that it reminds me a lot of where it's just like this really so weird, like surreal type of weird comedy aspect. You know, I don't even really know how to explain it, but, um, you know, the first episode, you kind of don't really know what's going on. Like, you're not sure, like, what's real and what isn't kind of at first. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I can't even recall the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it starts out with this guy. He's, like, recording something. And then all of a sudden, like, a cop is chasing him and, like, knocks him off his bike. And you're not sure if it's real or not. And then they cut into, like, something completely different that's touching on something completely different. Um, yeah, I feel like that episode didn't tie in as well as this last one. Like, this last one was fire. It was so good. I think it did, though. Um, Maybe I should go back and watch the first one. No, I think I just... just my interpretations of the show, uh, I'm with most of the people. Like, I wish, really wish they would have, like, some Cast of Kings-type podcast that explains what the hell's going on. Um, but I think from my interpretation of what I think it is, um, and I haven't read anything about it, I feel like it's just like something happens and then it cuts to like your mind and what your mind is like going through your mind during this process slash like when that girl, um, for instance, in the second episode when she was walking down the street and the guy was like hollering at her and she like turned around, gave him a look, and she pretty much, when they put up the brick wall, is kind of interpreted to me as like, this is what women want to do all the time. Is like, yes, like I felt that wall. episode so yeah, much. like like just stop talking to me, stop hollering at me, and it's like, it's like what it kind of is like. It, I feel like it goes inside the mind a lot. And yeah. All your reactions to the specific instance that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's my interpretation of the show. I could be completely wrong. I have no idea. But um, not- I agree because now that you put it that way, like even the whole uh, Peter Pan moment in her head. Yeah. Was like probably her thinking about that, her boyfriend that she left at home. You know, like. It took me a minute to figure out what was going on. I was like, okay, it's Peter Pan. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I get it. And then I kept re- I kept forgetting that they're like, she's basically playing this video game. Yeah. So everything's this video game. But 
Nah, it was this. I really like this episode, and the pretty much, yeah. I mean, I think there's the nice good mornings, and then there's the good morning. Like yeah. I was, yeah, every single that, one of them, I was like, yeah. That whole yep, sequence, because yep. basically she's walking and it's like, you know, they'll just cut to like Getting a, accosted. a bunch of people saying good morning, but it's like, you know, how they're saying it. But like in New York, and I don't know, I doubt this is obviously just not a New York thing, but like guys here are, it's crazy. I just notice here like how much people like really will just stare at a woman like for way too long and just be really creepy, like openly. And I don't know yeah. if they think it's, I, I'm, I always try to figure out like why, like why do they think that is okay to do, I guess? Cause like it is a New York thing. Like dudes will just holler here. Cause at one point she was like, the, like one of the girls, like not she, I guess this girl was kind of playing herself. She's like in a room talking about, Sort of the girl like, that got the nose job. Yeah, who got the nose job? She was just saying how like whatever, like in Harlem, like everyone's just gonna holler at you. Like you like even <laughs> yeah. if you're not even if you're not looking good that day, it doesn't matter. Like you're gonna get like hollered at. And I think I kind of touched on this before, where it's like it seems like I, it it almost seems like eighty percent of women's interaction with men is basically them being like objectified, like right off rip. Yeah. Like. So that <laughs> unless has... you've known him forever, but probably one of your first couple encounters was me and objectified. Right, and like how I'm, I'm sure it happens so much to where you probably are just kind of not necessarily numb to it, but like you just don't notice it anymore. Or you know, you notice it, and you, you know when it's gonna happen, so you just try to, like, I'll sit outside of the store for like five minutes like for my job before going in if i see like the creepy old man that like yeah see like that's accosted me before that's crazy <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like you have to code switch but like not not in that way kind of thing but it's just like like you said like you're anticipating uh confrontation so to speak because like i mean that's yeah. kind of what you do whenever you code switch right it's like all right i don't i'm gonna change what i'm doing to avoid this situation or confrontation or whatever and i feel like women probably do that so much every like all the time it's just like become it's probably so ingrained where it's like you know you just don't even it's just like a, it just becomes a part of your routine yeah i can see that i mean i told you i got like sexually harassed last week yeah oh yeah uh, i forgot about that so so like okay that's like perfect example like chris you can tell the story about what happened if you want to if you don't want to that's fine but no nah, i don't care man that's my my issue is i just don't have any feelings um so i was just running like doing my normal run uh i run the same route every day up my hill to like the beach i live like 0.4 miles from like this race running thing on the beach where people like bike and everything so I was coming back and I got down the hill and like at this red light and this girl, honestly, um, but yeah, she just hangs out the window and she's just like, first I'm running and she asked me if I had like a lighter or a cigarette. I couldn't tell what she was asking. She just made like the smoking sign. And I was like, no, like, obviously I'm running. Like I'm sweating. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I put, then I like put my headphones 
back on because I took them off to see if she was still saying something. And then she, I saw that she was still mouthing words. And then I took it off and she asked, like, how big is it? And I was like, and I looked down. I thought she was talking about, like, my feet. I don't know why I thought she was talking about my feet. But uh, then she asked again, like, how big is it? And I was like, my dick? She was like, yeah, I want to know how big is it. And I was like, shit, I don't know. Like, average? I am. <laughs> how do you answer that? <laughs> like, I don't, I've never heard her complain. Like, I don't know. What do you want me to say to that? And then she, as they were, like, pulling off at the red light, she says, well, I bet it's really big. I was like, okay. Fuck out my face. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um... So, yeah, so I can understand, like, I wasn't taken aback by it, really, um, like, but, in the sense that it made me, like, like shocked. Like, I can understand that women probably deal with that shit every single Yeah, I was about to say, that happened to you, like, one time. Imagine that happened to you at least once a day. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I like, want it to happen more. Keep that same energy. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what I'm yeah, saying. Like, haven't been beat, beaten down for years. Like, I remember when me and April used to work at the pig. We used to work at the Piggly Wiggly, and we worked in the office, and we were like the bookkeepers. And like those old men, they would like give you the money and like touch your hand and uh, no. like slip you their number. They're like sixty. I'm sixteen, hmm. bruh. Yeah. Like, nice. yeah, I was on some Me Too shit back then. So, yeah, like... but I just. It was dirty old men. It there was no me too. Yeah, I was like, I only like, honestly, you kind of trying to figure out like how to feel about it. Um, to be honest, but I wasn't. Um, it didn't make me feel like sad or anything. Probably because, like I said, I struggle with emotion in general. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. Uh, but it was kind of like shocking because I don't think I've ever heard anybody ask me that directly, especially like that. Um, Man, people are bold. But yeah, I mean, so, that's what I'm saying. So like, whatever, that's like that has only happened to you one time. But, you know, I think that probably obviously not that same like verbiage or whatever. But that happens to women like literally every day, multiple times a day, probably from whenever they're in like middle school until they die, basically. <laughs> yeah. like that's just how it is so yep. um yeah i mean but yeah yeah i don't know like maybe grandma doesn't get accosted anymore she's still cute but you know <laughs> i beat the fuck out somebody like, grandma come on <laughs> like now we got a strap right, right get the strap but this whole <laughs> episode of the show was kind of about i mean i think it was a lot on like masculinity like i don't know if it was like it was both it was, it was both what, I, it was like it was like and like all the shit that we deal with and then at the end it was like about men not growing up and then yeah. about them you know like how they were showing the handshakes how like some men, like i hate men that just like don't hug like our family like we hug each other you yeah. know and like how that one uncle was like basically trying to say they were gay because they were wrestling Right. Like, people try to make everything... Like, I sent y'all that article the other day about the um, cheerleader, the male cheerleaders. So what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just... I get so... Like, yeah. Yeah, that episode was definitely, like... 
femininity brushing up against like masculinity, masculinity. like the tug and pull between the two and pretty much the black family's reaction to it the black male reaction to it uh like a lot of kind of based around a lot of like patriarchy and stuff like that so um that episode was deep as fuck and i was it was and it was wine and i was so drunk <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i don't see how you got it well see that one i i followed more like even to the point where like they were showing the people handshaking and then like because i feel like the ages of the people that were like doing the handshakes is like right before like some man older man tells them that that's some gay shit and mm. it just breaks them and like that's when they start that's when they turn into the uncle saying some dumb stuff like that. Yeah. It was just, it was good. Yeah. I mean, it's like what I got from it. Like, obviously like, you know, it starts, well, if you start at the very beginning of the episode, you know, she's like basically writing these things down and burning them, which is apparently like, I've never done that, but that's like, I've heard it's very good. Like therapeutic thing to do is write down things that you want to let go and like physically burn them. Mm. Um, have a burn episode that, yeah, when we're like, out in LA <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's supposed to be like a very therapeutic thing to do and then you know almost immediately you know that kind of manifests where you know her boyfriend comes home he like gives her some excuse or whatever and then she's out the dude says something to her you know he basically gets struck down by her look the brick wall comes up but then like you know it kind of cuts to you know a guy saying something that you typically like a cat call basically but it's to like another guy then you know he says to another guy another guy and it's like just thinking about it from that perspective it's like i think you know what he's saying is like look how dumb like 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 why do you feel the need to address a woman like that like because you wouldn't address like uh tradition you wouldn't dress like a uh address a dude like that like you should just you know, yeah. address everyone or the same, like in the morning, or your sister, right? Or your mother, right? Right. Um, but towards the end, at the episode, so whenever the guy's like obviously chasing his shadow, it's like the reference to Peter Pan, or whatever. They end up in, I guess, they're Hispanic, so Nunkaland, as they say it. But, um, but then he kind of gives the whole, his voice. He gives this whole spiel about how. Basically, I think it was like a metaphor basically saying like here, like you can just be who you are or whatever and I can be who I am. And she's like, I don't need to do that. Like, I don't need the change. Like you need to change. Like not me. Like I don't need to change. I haven't done anything like you are the one who actually needs to grow up. Which, Ain't that the story of life? I mean, that was really the whole episode. I think it was like, I was like, over here like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like the arc of the episode. It's like, no, like, you know, because women have dealt with this thing for so long, this thing, I didn't, like, I'm not trying to um, minimalize it, but because they've dealt with that for so long, it's like, no, like, you are the one who needs to change. Like, Like, we're just basically having to survive based off of literally women are literally just surviving because of the way that men have been trash trash so to speak for for, forever basically um grow up yeah it was uh i don't know man that one was a deep one 
Yeah, I'm starting to get it now. Like the first episode, I was like, "What?" Yeah, but it really one, is I like a. I think it really is like a, a look like inside your mind, like like what's going on and all where all these things are happening. Yeah, I think like you can. It even goes from like the way they start the show with like blackface, 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 mm-hmm. and that's just literally. I think they start the show like that because that's literally the first thing we enter into this world with we we're conscious about it all the time uh whenever we step into a room we think about it like and i think that's really why they start the show and damn near in every episode like that mm-hmm. yeah um yeah it's like you gotta be prepared basically yeah and that's and that's that's why i think that's exactly why it starts like that and then it jumps into like um situations and like the guy's interpretation of it or the girl's interp the woman's interpretation of what's happening with her like at the end of the first episode when the um when the black guy just flew away from the cop like that's when it tied together with me like kind of what the hell the show was doing yeah Uh, because as i can guarantee that's like something a lot of people in that situation would want the power to do just fly the fuck away from this dumbass police officer. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, it's. Yeah, you know, I think. Um, I don't know. It just reminds, like you said, of kind of like what you know, what your brain wants to do, but um, trying to unlearn. It's just like so much stuff to unpack, basically. I, I I just don't really know how that- how people are really truly going to unpack all these things that need to be unpacked in terms of like not only toxic masculinity but like especially in the black community like it's that's such a steep 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 hill to climb. Check it. No, it's it is as far as like unpacking and completely rooting it or is it rooting it i guess whatever completely getting rid of it like right now it's um almost impossible but when you see people do something like i was about to do with this um this woman i perceived to be trans that um that sexually harassed me. Um, and yeah, I was about to fuck up with that. So my apologies. Um, you check it like, so, so, and then when you have kids, you raise your kids to be the opposite of that. Like you raise them to be a little bit more or way more open than how we were kind of raised and the time that we, uh, grew up and LGBTQIA plus plus rights then. And, um, if so, if you're raising your kid, and I know we're going to talk about this later, but if you're raising your kid and you're telling him that mental health is not real, then you're a trash ass parent. You don't deserve kids. <laughs> like, um, right. and I think that's what, I think that's the process of rooting the rooting black people of these toxic masculinity issues and sometimes toxic, toxic femininity uh, if that's yeah, but yeah, I know somebody just screaming that I'm all lives mattering the issue. 
But no, like, I know what you're saying. Well, if you... Black parents do it too. Black moms do it too. Wherein your son, your son wants to play at Barbies. And you're like, no, we don't do this. We play with boys. Don't play with Barbies. And you dress him up a certain way because he's a boy and this and that. So I mean, it's 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 an issue throughout like black culture in general. So I think the the thing is when you have kids, if we ever have kids, they don't look like it. Um, <laughs> You just raise your raise your kids to be open, uh, no matter what, and you try not to be a trash ass parent. Yeah, and like, don't try to cover up stuff if they ask you a question. I mean, I'm not a parent, so what do I know? But just try to answer it. Like one day, I was in the store, and the lady that worked at the store was transgender, and it was a lady and her son, and the son was like. Um, why did you call her ma'am? And she was like, because she was like an older lady. Like, she was probably like 70. Mm -hmm. And so she still kind of looked masculine, but she was living her life as a woman. And she was, and the little boy was like, mom, why'd you call her? Why'd you say ma'am? And she was like, that's what she identifies as. And the mom just kind of like looked at me and I was like, good answer. Yeah. Like, I mean, just keep it simple. You ain't got to go all into it. Yeah. Okay. And the, the kid's like 10. Moved on to the next thing. He could have cared less. Yeah. Yeah. He'll figure it out later. Be like, oh, okay. But right then, he just wanted an answer. She could have yeah. told yeah. yeah. I mean, I went out on a date with a teacher like a few months ago, and she was I'll talking about that. how they, they start teaching this stuff like really early now to like basically, like you just said, it's like, okay, you say it, you keep it moving. It's like normalize it so it's not like a so it's just not a, a big deal which it shouldn't be like whatever if someone wants to do as whatever like keep it moving like who cares it's not your business i just don't right. people get like so worked up about all this shit and it's just like just keep it pushing like yeah bigger you know um but i guess the earlier you start talking about stuff the more normal it is and you know mm-hmm. And that was a part of the episode, too. Like, that one... I thought it was interesting, that one trans lady with the pink dress. She was, like, some lady... She was walking down the street, and some lady, like, mm-hmm. ran up to her and was like, Yes, honey. Like, she was like, I'm a spectacle to people that hate me and to Ooh, the people yeah. that, like, think what I'm doing. You know, like... Yeah. I get, I'm that pretty sure it. that woman did that with a good heart and was, like, trying to make her... But you can't assume that just because she's transgender that she's like upset and like mad because the world thinks she's different she might not care yeah (laughs) yeah exactly i mean it's like you just like you literally just want to exist (laughs) like yeah and nothing more or less than that not be you know like like basically is what she says like that's not like i don't want to be like only you know known by or celebrated just because of that it's just like yeah. All right, just treat everybody like a human being. Yeah, it doesn't matter you. what they are. I don't need you to treat me like I like in China. Being like one of the few black people there, everybody just stares at you. Some people want to take pictures with you, this and that, and like that part um, of random acts of flyness when that girl ran up to uh, that trans woman and she said, "Yeah, everybody, I'm a spectacle, no matter who I'm." whether you're 
an ally or whether you're an enemy. And it was just, it was real because it's just like trans people will feel welcome when they are just left alone to be themselves, really. Um, you don't need to run up to her and say, yes, honey, I'm glad you're living your truth or anything like that. Um, you don't need to say anything. Just fucking walk past. You, like you said, nothing <laughs> Right. Like, are you going to walk up to, like, a hetero, regular-ass person and be like, oh, my God, I'm so happy you're living your life. <laughs> like, no. Nothing. Why are you paying people attention? Right. Right. Like, even sometimes, just give people a smile. I mean, you don't have to... Dog, just say, hey, how are you doing? And keep it... Right. The... Hey, you having a good day? Yeah, and keep, keep moving. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hell, 90% but... of people don't even want to talk to you. Right. Yeah. But, Karen, speaking of... I know we're about to jump off of... Um, but we got to talk about this. I know we're about to jump off of um, Random Acts of Flyness to another HBO show, but... Um, yeah, it just reminded it. me of what we kind of talked about last week, insecure or with insecure this week when Issa or Issa went and talked to her boss about yeah. why. Oh, was, yeah, did that? Uh, yeah, about why everybody was like backing out of working we with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, leaving. We got y'all. None of the schools wanted to work with them anymore, and how her boss just fucking spazzed on her like that. I felt that on a personal level. Not that that's ever happened to me, but it's kind of what we mention, what we talk about when we talk about like the white liberals uh, <laughs> and how they're, they think just because they're doing this thing, like we got y'all, that it's, um, that they're doing this righteous thing, but they they're kind of like self righteous about it as too. So I don't know if you haven't watched the episode. I guess you wouldn't really understand what's happening. But pretty much, Issa finds out information about why um, a lot of the schools aren't working with them anymore. A lot of it has to do with the logo, a white hand holding up black kids. One guy telling them that is racist, and then it's. There's oh, only one black employee. Yeah, you're. there's only one black employee. Every time you come to my school, it's nothing but white people, and they're... They're mean. They're mean. <laughs> That's what one guy that said. Was, that lady said that. That was funny. Yeah, and Issa's just going in there trying to help, the, trying to help get more um, representation out there, and her boss pretty much just spazzes on her and tell her that she's the root of all the problems that's happening at We Got Y'all and stuff like that. And it's just, and it just triggered me because when you try to help, um, when you try to come at, come to white liberals with like what's going on in your community, <laughs> they still fucking push up against it. And I don't really understand it, even if they're trying to help out your community. Right. Yeah, because it's like. Yeah, I don't you know, understand why she was so mean about it. She told her to make the calls. Well, but I know she wasn't supposed to call the numbers that they had marked out, but still. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like a like lot of these. Step. It's like it's like if you want to be, whatever, like more inclusive and reach out to these people. Yeah, it's just like what you said. Like, well. I don't know. It's just a lot of lip service and like doing it just to look good. And just exactly what I said last week too is like, if you're trying to reach out to these 
communities like you need to get over these sort of like implicit biases that you have and have people who look like these other people can relate to them. It's just like stuff that you can't, like I said last week, just shut up and listen, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah I read, I was reading uh, Obama's book, President Obama's book, uh, his first book. I think it was his first book, Dreams from My Father. And he's talking about uh, him moving to Chicago and becoming like community organizing. Like the guy who ran, the guy who ran like his whatever nonprofit he worked for was a white guy. Um, but what the white dude said, what the, what his boss said was, listen, these people ain't listening to me. Like, <laughs> I need you to get out there. You look more like them. You'll be able to relate more to them. Uh, you'll be able to organize them in a way that I will not be able to organize them. Um, and so that's that. how, that's pretty much how Obama became like this really big community organizer in Chicago. And it's a complete, I mean, Issa was out on, um, out in the field and she was not listening, all kinds of stuff, uh, that got her in trouble, that got her put behind the desk, uh, pushing papers and stuff like that. But still, when she's coming to provide like some kind of help to your nonprofit, uh, that's helping out people in her community and you pretty much just made her feel like shit. Because either you're having a bad day, you're not happy about the schools backing out because you, if you put Issa back in the field, then that makes it seem like, it almost makes it seem like she feels like she lost if she puts Issa back in the field or something like that. Yeah. And- it's like they got to hold on to their decision that they made rather than like a decision that would be good for the company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of... That's kind of, man, I corporate America seeing with like a lot of, we all always say at the end of the day, white people are going to protect white people no matter what. And then <laughs> we're just going to be ass out. Um, I mean, history proves that. So um, with that, it's just like, I, man, I think it was something along the lines of an MLK quote that is like the white moderate is scarier than like the uh, actual races or something like that. The ones he's worried about are like the white moderate. I don't know the exact quote, but that just rings with me all the time. Um, yeah, because if you're not doing anything, then like nothing is going to like you have to do something to, like you got like you have to change something because if you're not, then obviously the status quo now is like not enough right so if you're just moderate and just kind of keeping it moving and keeping your head down then what's the fucking point like you're like you're not doing anyone any good at all yeah you know what i'm saying like what are you doing (laughs) yeah i mean if you're complicit in it or you want it is nothing's gonna change if you are going to be like the laws need to change. White moderates aren't really <laughs> wanting to change the laws. Like all it's just a lot of stuff that needs to change. Like you pretty much have to go to the super progressive left and able to get um stuff changed and, and even stuff- 
and even if you go that far, it's still probably not gonna change like a ton. Like even if you are like way far left, like it's still only gonna change so much. Like you gotta go that far left just to get like a little bit of change. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's pretty much. I mean, yeah, I mean radicalism, pretty much, right? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> and that's like the frustrating part about it. Yeah, I mean that, but I. Yeah, I th- I think the thing that in that particular part of the episode too they were getting at is like, I think I, maybe I said that last week too is like you know if you're a black woman and you're outspoken or whatever then you're seen as like aggressive, and all these other things where if like a guy maybe would have done that then you should be like oh you know what that's, like, yeah like that's good like you're being diligent, you know yeah. you're not being annoying you're being diligent or you're not being nosy you know so like I think. Yeah, because I wonder what would have happened if her, if the other girl would have came to her with that. Right. Right. You know, who? She looked terrified. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't really get a read on her for that. I think she feels really bad, and I think she feels torn. Mm -hmm. And I hope that she steps up, because she's the only one that's going to be able to talk to Issa's boss and get her to be like, look. I found the, I found the quote. I want to just read it, so because I butchered it before. So it's like from the letters from a Birmingham jail where he he pretty much says a lot about um, the white moderates who are more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you and in the goal you seek, but I, but I cannot agree with the methods of your direct action. Have we not heard that recently? (laughs) Who paternistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by a mythical concept of time, and who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a more convenient season. Shallow understanding from good people is... Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. That's literally what we deal with nowadays, right? Yeah. Am I I far off? Nah. Nah. (laughs) No. And that's kind of what I got from that. I mean, it's a lot you can take from that scene, but that's kind of what I got from that scene. And it was like an awakening for Issa as well understanding that yeah why the fuck am i working here like now i have to because i'm like broke i'm poor but I yeah think like i feel like she needs to start looking for another job yeah as soon as she gets on her feet i feel like it's going to be one of those things where she's going to get this is my prediction she's going to get molly or somebody to invest in something that she wants to do mm-hmm. and she's going to end up opening up her own spot or doing her own shit somewhere yeah yeah, I mean, I hope she does. It's um, yeah, no, that's the yeah, that was a standout scene from the episode for me personally. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, that triggered. I was triggered by that. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, because that's literally <laughs> everything we deal with in school, work, any corporate American setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime you want to go organize something and help out the communities, uh, anytime you go work for <laughs> pretty much any organization outside of the um, NAACP, 
Like, yeah. Um, and it's crazy that it's like that, but I I just thought that ML quote just timeless. Like these the real ML quotes, not these bullshit. These <laughs> everybody. Well, wait till you see Black Klansman. Yeah. Because. Yeah. I mean, like, it's like literally, I'm not going to spoil it for you at all, but it's like exact, even though I know Spike Lee wrote it now, but it's like exact quotes that Trump says today. Damn. From KKK memes. <laughs> I'm going to see it tonight, so I'm excited. It's about fire. It. It's good. It's crazy because, like, a Charlottesville, like, we saw it on Sunday. The Charlottesville protests were a year ago the same day that we saw the movie and like obviously it ties in with that stuff but it's just crazy that because like that like i can't i that doesn't feel like that was a year ago you know like that's because so much shit is happening every single day yeah <laughs> i'm wondering like it's just crazy to think about how many crazy things have happened since then um and i I, I guess things have gotten worse. I, I don't have they gotten worse. I don't know. They definitely haven't gotten better. Yeah, black people can't go to the pool. Black people can't barbecue. Like yeah. we said last week, like the list of things that black people can no longer do is getting longer than a CVS receipt. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> so. Yeah, and yeah, uh, it's getting worse. Yeah, I saw like a poll that said, um, I think like. 60 plus percent of people believe racial tensions have gotten worse since Trump took um or maybe might have been even higher than that. I feel like people who don't believe that is just stupid. Yeah, they just, um, yeah. Or just super racist. Um But yeah, I can't wait to see Black Clansing going tonight with one of my friends, so it should be good. Yeah, it's uh... it's really good, but then it's kind of sad. Like, it's just sad because like the movie's really good, and like let me get something that actually happens. Yeah, it's hopeful <laughs> yeah. and funny, and then like Charlottesville. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we really haven't come that far. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, yeah, that's so the movie's realistic. That's awesome. Yeah, but it's funny too. It's good. Um, it's like got your normal Spike Lee little things that he does in there, but yeah, it was good. I really liked it. It was a good movie. I think for me personally, what helped out a lot with the movie is that like it was based on like a true story. Like I don't know how much they stretch it. I'm sure obviously they probably took some liberties there, obviously, but um, I think that I think because it is like a true story it's like a little bit more impactful than if it was just something that, you know, it was like a script that he created basically. Um, and it worked like it worked because it was a true story. Like, I think if it were not a true story, maybe I would feel different about some stuff, but like it was based on true events. So like, I think that, um, it was like a good, it was like a good vehicle to deliver the message because it was a true story basically. Right. Was was my my kind of my kind of take on it, but like we can discuss it more next week after Christmas scene because I don't want to like spoil anything. Like I don't want to say something and then 
But yeah, um, but we'll definitely talk about it next week because it's definitely yeah. worth talking about. It's deep. Yeah, I did kind of want to touch on this, and I talked to T about this about how I don't know, um, just like hip hop rap today is really like going through its crazy emo phase. I guess <laughs> it's like the, the just the emo phase of hip hop music right now, and. Whenever we were younger, hip hop was more like upbeat, people going out to the club, like yeah, they were still rapping about like drugs and guns and whatever, but like it just wasn't in a way that was like It was fun guns and drugs, not Yeah, it wasn't I like I wanna kill myself. Yeah. Cause like I this guy Juice World who I like never listened to, I just like downloaded his album, listened to it, and I couldn't even get all the way through it because like every single song was just like how depressed and how down he was and how like he wanted to kill himself and like all this stuff and like i feel like hip-hop is always kind of like the pulse of like what's going on in america in a lot of ways um and like it's obvious that like people are just not happy in general especially black people now so a lot of it really seems to be you know, magnified in music. I mean, you can name any little whoever rapper right now, and it's it is just straight up like emo rap. Um, but it's yeah, just, I can't get with it. It's, I'm too old, and I mean, some of it, like I do like like some of it, but like I just like just trying to listen to that one album, I was like, holy shit! Like, I can't listen to this. Yeah, I like that Lucid Dream song, I think is what it's called. Yeah. But I like the beat, but it's, like, creepy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just makes me... In a way, it's like, okay, good, they can talk about this stuff, but it's really in a way that's not... Seemingly not healthy for, like, kids in high school. Yeah, they're, like, glamorizing it almost. Yeah. But, you know... Nirvana and bands like that, I feel like we're kind of talking about a lot of the same stuff, but it was rock music and like yeah, I don't, but look how that ended up. Right, right, exactly. Um, and I don't know that like young black teenagers were listening to Nirvana in the nineties. Maybe I'm sure I'm sure plenty of them were. But I feel like these kids are. I know they are. Yeah, I think like, now kids are going back and dis- yeah. beca- because these rappers now are like kind of glamorizing that, you know, like yeah, how, like how many how like how many that. how many songs have like Kurt Cobain in their lyrics? Like that's like a cool thing that he was like this martyr for whatever. I don't know what the fuck Kurt Cobain was a martyr for, but like you know, like glamorizing you know that his death and I mean a lot of that like Jay Z like will sample a Kurt Cobain song or whatever so i don't think sampling a song is different than talking about like i want to be kurt cobain and die at 27 yeah we're a little little biased honestly i'm sitting here and saying i'm biased when it comes to um these rap music in general because i just didn't grow up listening to anything but music that came out of the south and our culture um, in the South and Southern music was just completely different than what you would get coming out of like the New Yorks or wherever um, music was coming from. I really didn't listen to that much New York rap, so I have no idea what 
New Yorkers were talking about, except for Jay Z. I did listen. We listened to a lot of Jay Z growing up, but down south, um, it was more really about the beats and like the lyrics. We're talking about pretty much. Uh, we make a lot of like dance music uh, in the south. Um, my favorite album, Four Hundred Degrees, um, <laughs> Juvenile. Juvenile talked this shit, but yeah, it was nothing about like mental health or anything. It was all about like southern culture, shit you can play in it, your car. Shit I mean, you, can you say this shit all the time, Chris. You're like, get it out in the mud, like that. To me. Whenever we were growing up, that was kind of like the mentality of all rappers is they were like, yeah. they were like, fuck this shit. Like we, we like, it's hard, but we're out here. Like we're going to get it sort of thing. And I don't know. The weird thing is maybe some of that plays into so much of like the toxic masculinity that's just in hip hop culture today. Cause it was like, whatever survival tactics or whatever for them to survive. And it's just like, if you rap about it, you manifest it, you make it. Whereas now, kids are like, you know, maybe they're being like more vulnerable and like saying how they feel. And I think, you know, it's probably, um, you know, it, it might be like over dramatized or whatever, you know, but, it, but it's just, I don't know if it's because they're spoiled more now that they can just like mope and whine about. And and like, that's not even really fair for me to say. Cause like, they're probably going through some like real shit or whatever, you know, but it was just like, I don't, I don't want to say softer because then I'm kind of feeding into that. Like, I don't, yeah, I mean, we're just in like a user's culture now. I mean, that's the difference in rap really. Um, but I mean, you got to blame that on, uh, low, like you gotta blame that on the lean culture too, um, which yeah. is pretty much a southern <laughs> driven, a southern driven culture, I guess. Uh, the lean culture, which all these kids probably grew up drinking because they listened to their favorite rappers like talk about it, and now they've just found a way to go on to like now pills and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, I'm assuming I'm just trying to think like whenever I was listening like what was the first time I heard like lean it was probably like someone out of Houston probably UGK or someone I don't know um, I think the first time I ever heard of lean was when Pimp C died from it to be honest <laughs> yeah. yeah but I, I mean I, yeah like I didn't know what it was until uh, I woke up one morning and Pimp C was just dead um and then I like read up on like how he died and why he died and how it caused like his sleep apnea or whatever it's called. Um, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it. And then Lil Wayne pretty much took the torch. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, and pretty much ran with that. Um, so all these kids probably a lot of these kids probably grew up listening to like Lil Wayne double cup i know they probably grew up listening to like future um and all these like now that's pretty much all they talk about and the music has gone from actually having fun like tear the club up knuck if you bug type shit like it, we had a lot of music about fighting um, <laughs> with your hands yeah so now it's gone to um 
How many Zans can you pop? How many Zans you can pop? Like, I listened to 52 Nights by Future the other day, and it was like, I think he said something about, I took 52 something Zans in one month, something. I was like, hey, what? What are you taking 52 Xanax in one month? Like, what? But that's what I'm saying. So, like, just what you're saying, like, And that's all bad, by the way. I ain't gonna lie. When (laughs) Tear the Club, uh... Uh, make them say, uh, knock a few bucks, wax over. Like, all these songs is like this visceral sort of aggression, but it's, it's almost like, in a way, yeah. it's it's like whenever you're out and let's say you are dealing with all these like issues of racism, life, whatever, it's like, yeah, like you can't, <laughs> like, you can't lash out, like, you can't lash out, like, in your workplace or whatever, whenever you're feeling this stuff. But I feel like that's kind of where that music was coming from. It's like, it was like very like just raw and like aggressive. And that was just like the one place where you can kind of get that stuff out, you know? And now instead of being that way, and I don't know if it's because now it is a lot more dangerous, even if you were to act out that way, that the culture has kind of shifted into like, whatever self-medicating so to speak with lean and xanax and like all this shit so it's just a very like now you got like now you like you can't tear the club up you got to cry in the club now (laughs) you know like a huge a huge difference is um smoking crack wasn't cool uh crack is whack um selling crack was cool um so you could talk (laughs) about selling crack uh we made that can't be all crack though. Yeah, we made that about as cool as you can make it. You can you can't smoke it though. Now popping pills and drinking lean and all that shit's cool, and nobody ever talks about selling it anymore. They just talk about buying it and taking fifty two in one month, and that shit being crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like that's insane. Like I don't know how it changed. I think they probably talk. I don't, like I have no idea when when it changed. Like. If you told somebody you smoked crack back in the day, you would get clowned, cut off. Nobody would really ask you how you're doing. You'd just get <laughs> fucking clowned. You'd be a crackhead. Like, you'd yeah. be a crackhead. Like, it has a stigma behind it. You know what I was thinking the other day? This is just conspiracy me. But, like, you think, like, what's like what's to stop some pharmaceutical company from like giving future 40 million dollars to keep rapping about xanax hopefully the laws but i'm sure <laughs> i mean i'm sure that is but like that like that's I mean, a, they don't have to pay him he's doing it for free that's yeah, i mean like, that's I, i'm sure he is but i'm saying what if he isn't and and that's why like this is me with my tinfoil hat on but I know you don't went down the Illuminati rabbit hole. I'm sure, they may. I'm sure so, like if they do, then I hope he I hope he uh, pays the taxes on it. But um, I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if like five years from now, whatever, like especially like these like someone who's named Lil Xan, like if that's just an industry plant by like it would not surprise me if they came out to so like, oh, what I don't know the name of any like major like pharmaceutical company, but if like that is kind of what it's about, 
Can you imagine them giving Future this <laughs> this forty million dollars, and in the middle of one of his raps, after rapping about lean, he has to say, "Hey, side effects of this drug." <laughs> <laughs> but yo, like you've seen, like you seen, uh, what's the movie? Thank you for not smoking, or thank you for smoking. Were they like the lobbyists? Yeah, yeah I mean that's like and um. You know, in movies in the 70s, 80s, or whatever, maybe it's like, or that, like, you know. Yeah, they had product that, placement. Yeah, product placement. Like, you can't, you know, they can't, like, you can't run a commercial for a cigarette. You just got to make people smoke a lot in movies. It's yeah. subliminal. Yeah. So, it's, I don't think it's that, I don't think it's that crazy of an idea. Well, they don't have to do that because they have so many people addicted to opioids now. Yeah, I mean, it's very easy to get that, people. Yeah. Uh, it's an epidemic. Yeah. Ooh, did y'all see that video of that? Um, I think it was a black congresswoman or somebody just ripping. Going the- off about that versus the crack epidemic. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. She fucking tore. If you have not seen this video, um, I don't know please if I saw watch that. it. I'm, I'm going to look it up, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I saw it on Instagram and Facebook. Mm. What's her name? Um, when this was recent, this is like this week. Yeah, it was. Recent. Yeah, it was this week. Mm. I think it's somebody sent it to me. Yeah, I can't. Sorry, I can't find it. But this is black woman just rips the Congress about opioid crisis versus. Um, the crack epidemic and how you see like the different responses all of a sudden it's like a health issue with the opioid crisis versus with the crack epidemic you're throwing people in jail like black people have issues and um now it's a state of emergency but back in the day you use this as a um as a um as a way to pretty much ruin our families and tear our families apart. So she was like, your next move need to be is providing these families that you ripped apart with some type of reparations. All right. Uh, you need to retroactively provide these families with reparations. Now that you've declared that this opioid crisis is a state of state of emergency, like a health issue where you want to throw people into health facilities to help them get clean and when with black people smoking crack back in the day, you threw us in jail. And this is the shit that gets my um, mental health, <laughs> that gets me, it gets me angry. It really gets me like super sad because white people aren't even slick with their shit. They don't even care, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like, and these people that you vote into office are full of shit. Like, and I'm tired of it. They, yeah, like what's so special about opioid versus crackhead versus cokehead versus every other head there is out there? Yeah, I think. Oh, you it's know what? I feel bad. like a lot of that spark from too was from whatever I was seeing online. People were like, "Like, what's the difference between Demi Lovato and Lamar Odom?" Like that's yeah. what I kept seeing. It's like that kind of rhetoric, you know, where it's like one. Yeah, everybody's giving thoughts and prayers to Demi, and everybody's like, uh, oh, Lamar needs to die. He's a crackhead. He's too rich to be doing that shit. She's too rich to be doing heroin. 
Oh, Demi Lovato. Yeah, like I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a striking difference on how t- how two narratives are presented to the to America, and it's simple. Like, it's simple to pick up on too. And they think we're so stupid that we're just gonna let it go. No, Demi Lovato's a fucking crackhead too. She wrote a song like a month or so ago about her not being sober anymore. So she knew she had a problem. And I, I know it's an addiction. But Lamar Odom had an addiction. Uh, Whitney Houston had an addiction. Michael yeah. Jackson had an addiction. Prince had Everybody, all these people had addictions. Yeah. Her name is Diana Richardson. And she gives a fire speech in front of um, Congress and rips apart, like, the lawmakers, like, they're pretty much hypocrisy. She rips it apart. It's not even. I mean, she completely destroyed them. Sorry, I hope nobody got it. So. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was good. That's pretty much that. I don't even know what we were talking about. I just got off. Something triggered that that I had to like plug it because that was one of the most scathing reads I've heard in a while and it was really on point um now we, I think we got on that because I was just um talking about I mean well from that like I said like people glamorize like one like you know people yeah. glamorize one shun the other one but you know as a whole it's just interesting to me I don't no, you know, I don't know. It's just weird that all the mainstream rap now, all these are just like, it's like really sad emo stuff. It's just weird. Um, And I don't know how they got there or why. Yes. SoundCloud. Yeah, I must say, I agree for the most part. It's never really been in the rap that I listened to. Uh, it was always in the. Um, it's well, like that underground SoundCloud rapper. Yeah, like I don't want to go to a club and hear fucking XX Tentacion sad. Like, what the yeah. Fuck? <laughs> Shit out of here. Like, yeah. I hate hearing that song. It's like, it makes me sad. Like, come on. Why am I at a bar listening to Talking XX Tentacion? Suicide, if I ever tried it. Like, no. Yeah, come on. That's what I'm saying. You got to cry in the club now. You can't knock if you buck. If you don't put on Walk It Out. You got to have a handkerchief at the club now. Seriously. I'm going to try to lay. Like, and I hate live music. I, give me a live band. Give me a <laughs> I don't want to hear XX Tentacion at the club. Give me, like. Uh, I don't care. Play Ray J. I don't care. <laughs> Shit. That's yeah, wild. play um what's that song yeah with Little Kim? Uh, in Ray the J? club or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was my shit. Yeah. They, got, <laughs> they got Kleenex boxes and VIP at the club now. Lil' Kim verse on that is top five. <laughs> <laughs> Better not hear let Nikki hear that. Oh uh, man. <laughs> She got issues too. Man. She needed to check herself into a mental health facility. Yeah, cause like I'm sorry. Why are you going so hard? Like I mean, I felt I felt like she was on an episode of Love and Hip Hop the way she was acting. 
on Twitter these past she couple be, days. Yeah, she gotta go. Yeah, why yeah. are you forty on Twitter arguing with your ex? I don't know, but why are you even addressing him if you're so above love and hip hop? This dude is on both. He's on the love and hip hop New York and Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. I don't She's, know. I'm not good. Like, I just don't understand a lot of the things that Nicki Minaj does, but. She's either on drugs or she has some mental health issues. She definitely has mental health issues. I'll give you that. Maybe she's just a narcissist. That's mental health issues, too. So I guess one (laughs) thing I can say, she's at least been consistent this whole time. Yeah, consistently insecure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, yeah. Like, first it was Little Kim, which, like, why? Um... There's been other rappers since Little Kim that didn't disrespect her like that. So I don't understand why she had to do all that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's like crabs in a barrel type thing, but like it's something. But like Little Kim ain't out there like that. Yeah, she's really she like Little Kim is like a legend in her own right. She can never come out with another CD again, and we're good. Yeah, I mean she's yeah. I'm, I will bang uh, hardcore. Will I be banging Queen in 10 years? Absolutely not. In days. <laughs> I, yeah, I haven't even listened to now. I haven't listened to that one song. Everybody was somebody. I'm good on her. I'm so good on her. Yeah, I don't know. She, I think she has. She, I think she's going to put out something that says she's struggling with. Yeah. I really think she's going in for exhaustion. And her publicist or PR person is the absolute worst because she has made herself unlikable to the point where I don't know if she could get back. (laughs) Like like people really like is now is at the point where people really just want her to fail. They want her and the rest of the barbs to get the fuck out of here. And then they just want like Cardi B to really win. And it's almost right. I watched um Dark Knight the other day and it's um what's the quote? You either live long enough to see yourself become a villain or something like that. Yeah. Oh, you're not a hero or live long enough to see yourself become, become a, villain. a villain. Yeah. And I think she's pretty much exposed herself to the point where first it was defending her child molesting as brother. Um, that was a huge turning point. Um, and then it's all this, all these antics. Soon as Cardi came in, she was like, she's pressed about Cardi's success. All oh, that bitch don't write her own music, this and that. Don't compare me to them, this and that. And now it's just pretty much everything. Like, yeah. So. Whatever. She's just childish. Yeah, she can go. She need to grow up. Yeah, like you're too old to be acting like that. She is. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, what? Like, she need to watch Random Acts of Flyness. <laughs> yeah, she definitely <laughs> got some shit to work out. <laughs> and like, who knows what some of that? I don't even know. I don't. Yeah, I don't know where any of that comes from. Why she's like that? Because I'm trying to. I'm just trying to think of like other female. Like, who was like popping? I guess in between Nicki Minaj and Cardi. Uh, Remy Ma, I guess. Oh, no, that was probably... Yeah, Eve, I mean... Remy. Does Eve count? 
Nah, yeah, but that was before Nicki Minaj. I'm saying in between Nicki oh, Minaj. Oh, in between Nicki and, and Cardi. Um, Remy Ma and I mean, Remy Azalea Ma. Banks had a she had like a little moment there, but like now, man, like You mean Iggy Azalea? Uh <laughs> no. Oh, Azalea Banks, nah. <laughs> no. Nah, I would say Iggy, Iggy Azalea had yeah, a moment. Yeah, Iggy over Azalea. Azalea Banks. I don't know not one. Azalea but she Banks man, song. Iggy Azalea had one song. Like I don't that doesn't count. Nah, Iggy was popping out. She here was popping for like three months because we had an episode about it. Yeah, she had Fancy and she had, she was on that track with T.I. And she had that song with Rita Ora. Yeah. She had a couple, she had a couple songs. That album. She ain't nothing but a prostitute right now, but. Uh, I mean, whatever. She had a little I run, I guess. She had issues with Iggy's success as much. I'm pretty sure she did, but. When All The Way Up came out, obviously that was around the time Sheether and all that happened. Um, and now Cardi B, she just can't get with Cardi B. Like, I think Nicki Minaj suffers from either some drug issues or mental health issues or a combination of both. And she needs to go get help ASAP because she is... Looking crazy yeah, in these streets. She hurts herself. Like she's looking real crazy in these streets. <laughs> yeah. And somebody gonna try her. Like she, she better stay sh with bodyguards. Somebody gonna be, somebody gonna beat her ass. I really believe that. I hope she can fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I am. Yeah. I'm sure, well now, okay, well, I think a lot of this is just a part of like her album rollout, like whatever, the louder she talks, the more people are going to search her, look for her album, look, whatever. I was on her, I was listening to the Twitter battle, but I still have yet to go to Apple or Spotify and download that album. Yeah, but I mean, that's because you can see through the shit. Yeah, and yeah. I don't care, like I don't even listen to anything new anymore. Yeah, <laughs> because basically the last couple months while she's been recording, I was just like, she's been real quiet, and now she's... Mm -hmm. So all this shit, I'm sure, is like a part of the press run. Like everyone, <laughs> that's just the thing now. Be loud, you know. Um, so whatever, I get it. I get it. Uh, I don't know. That's all I really got. We can. Yeah, we're we've ran long. <laughs> we ran a little long, but like whatever. Sometimes you know you gotta Good talk job, about guys. Good job. crying in the club and Nicki Minaj doing the most on Twitter, but. Um, and the song being the song of the year. Actually, the Moo song and. Oh my God, we did not talk about Bitch, I'm a Cow. Bitch, I'm a Cow. <laughs> the Moo song and going back and forth with niggas. Yo, Who? I fucking love that song. Little Duval song. Oh, the. Oh, that's my jam. <laughs> what does he say? I'm uh, living my best life. I'm living my best life. Um. But yeah, that's like my favorite song right now. Bitch, I'm a cow. Damn, Doja Cat's throwing it back in the video. Shout out to Doja Cat. Whew. <laughs> but I've uh, literally only seen that like once. Oh man, if you guys haven't seen it, just look up Moo by Doja Cat. It is a bop for sure. Oh my god, I just <laughs> saw the funniest tweet that I have to read out. Uh, <laughs> this is she just said. Niggas be having STDs, but on social media, joking all day. Okay, Bernie Mac. <laughs> she said, what? Is that okay, Bernie Mac. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. 
Twitter, I couldn't man. get it out. I couldn't get the punchline out. It's just so. <laughs> Twitter. Uh, I don't know what am I letting go of this week. Um, I don't know because I did because I feel like I followed through on what I said I was gonna do last week. This I week, I don't know. I'm feeling. I've just been in this weird headspace this week where everything is just. I don't know. I I can't say that I'm like I, I don't know. I'm just kind of uh in a space where I'm still trying to figure out if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood. Like I don't know, it's just weird. It's just been a weird last couple of weeks with everything with where I'm at. I'm just like really like fluid right now. What I'm just trying not to stay too low or too high. I'm like really trying to like ride out kind of whatever is happening and just be like well mercury will be out of retrograde on the 19th i believe okay see maybe that's maybe i'm just riding out the last of the storm i am as well Uh, yeah i think my let it go i have to i have to let go procrastination um this one is going to be a tough one. Um, and it's more like procrastination and what I do to myself after I procrastinate. I pretty much have to mentally shame myself into getting <laughs> into getting anything done. And it's really not a healthy way of doing work. I do so much better work when it's planned and obviously in advance where you can review it and everything. But for some reason, I just don't do it um, enough, and I don't do it upfront enough. So I know, uh, but it's almost like you get some kind of satisfaction from getting it done like five minutes before it's done. You're like, I did that shit. Yeah. It's <laughs> like <laughs> so you get satisfaction from being a procrastinator. It's so sad. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, mm-hmm. That's a good one to let go. See, yeah. are you letting go of anything? Hmm, what am I letting go? I am. I don't really know. I'm kind of like you. I'm just ready. I'm letting go of Mercury being in retrograde. Because <laughs> this just got me in a mood. Like, yeah. like, this weekend was a reprieve. Like, I had fun. But, you know, once you get back to reality. Yeah. That's kind of how, like, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm just trying to, like, weave through the chaos. I feel like that's kind of what, like, being black is like. You're just trying, like, you're literally just trying to survive. Yep. You know? And, like, every week it's like I got to find a new way to survive. (laughs) Yep. Like, that is. Being black. We need to write a book, Being Black and Depressed. Yeah, like. (laughs) I mean, it's just literally like I, that's probably how it's been for black people for eternity is like just how do I survive this week? How do I com- like how do I uh, compartmentalize like these things so I can. It's just so much shit like yeah, I, I wish I wish that like I was thinking about this today and this might seem extreme and it probably is. But I feel like to be to be like not a POC like these people like you just don't 
they just don't get like how hard it really is every day and the more like i'm just the more i'm aware of like so much shit, it just like gets it gets like a little bit and i'm not trying to be all debbie down shit but it just gets so much harder to like find new ways to survive because and I was thinking about this a lot over the past week about how like we are on social media so much and like black Twitter, black Twitter or whatever, like it's kind of like escape because all these things are funny, but like that seems to be the only place, not the only place where you can kind of like let go or whatever, but then you're also constantly reminded of how fucked up shit is too. So like you can't even like, it's just hard. It's just hard. Yeah. Like everything gets harder every day. Everything gets really harder every day. <laughs> like scratching and surviving. Good times. <laughs> Hanging in a chow line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just been a, that's probably another thing you need to let go is just not reacting. How do I not react? How do I teach myself that? Um, yeah, we need to learn to react only when we think the other person is going to change. If they're not going to change, just keep it moving. Don't internalize it. Okay, That's not your okay. shit. That's what I'm going to let go this week because I was just, man, I feel like I guess I'm kind of like growing as a person a little <clears throat> bit. Just like things that would have affected me, even in the last few weeks, people not responding to things or just a lot of stuff like I am getting less worked up about things that would have like worked me up more so I'm trying to really stay on that path basically and just you know just everyone I know like like we kind of thought it was like being hard and so that sort of stuff but it's like really just like you know what like if I choose not to react to this then it won't bother me like it'll just bother me less and like you know it's just like all right don't react yeah. to these things like just have just don't let stuff bother you as much basically and especially if it's not in your control and you didn't do anything wrong right it's just like you know what i'm gonna just be cool on that and not put any type of effort or worry into that and and like use that energy on something else basically save yeah. your energy just you know but uh, I think that that wraps it up for us this week. We'll be back next week. Who knows what will be going on, but I'm sure plenty of things will be as they always are. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to go get some food and then go watch Black Klansman. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we can do a more in-depth uh, discussion on Black Klansman next week. But uh, yeah. yeah, signing off from from brooklyn i sweated it out for you guys and i turned the ac off it's 90 Ooh. degrees up here so i'm roasting mm. nah, AC <laughs> off. you're trying to die <laughs> yeah. um, scratching and surviving yeah yeah good time that's the word <laughs> i think that's the episode name seriously scratching and surviving word up yeah. but, all right peace. guys all right Bro. deuces deuces